Hello and welcome to the Pinecast. Joining me today is Joseph. You can follow him on Twitter at I Hate Your Club. And we'll have Elliot at Yankee Gunner on in a little while to talk a little about Arsenal's title aspirations. But first, it's time to talk with you, Jay. What's good, man? Oh, things things are well this new this New Year's Eve Eve. Eveish. Eveish. Yeah, I mean we're sitting on top of the league. It's about it's a good place to be. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's only been a when is it been a week or two since we've been there? I don't remember. It was nope. brief. It was very brief. Hopefully, we'll be there for the rest of this year. That'd be How, great. We'll just be there for the rest of time. How about that? <laughs> just stay there. Where we start at the beginning of the season as the A. Oh, actually, didn't AFC AFC Bournemouth uh, no. fuck that up for us, didn't they? No, because I think they did it under Bournemouth. Hmm. So I think we still. I think we still took the alphabetical league league. Okay. We're still sitting sitting pretty there then. Well, that's good. Um, an up and down week for Arsenal. You know, all this talk, you know, you're going into Christmas Day in second place, thinking about how you can really make a big impact. Liverpool go <clears throat> and beat Leicester. You know, exactly what we had hoped. And we go and shit the bed against Southampton. Yeah, it was really embarrassing. I, uh, I got together with uh, family. Uh, all of my cousins got t- together. And I sat down. And they all just about got there right when the game was about to start. So I got to watch that and hear that being razzed for the next two hours. So that was fun. Yeah. Nothing, nothing better than the public humiliation. Yeah, it was. it's the reason why I like to watch games by myself. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, I had hyped it up. I was enjoying myself in the snow in Tahoe, but... You know, told everyone like, no, 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 I'm, I'm stuck here. I got to watch this match at 11:30 or whatever the fuck it was. It was a mistake. It was a mistake. It was a bad match. And look, I, look, I don't think it was as terrible as the scoreline suggests. I think it's a bad day at the office and things didn't go our way. You know, I, I didn't consider it a freak out result. It's just, it definitely looks bad and it tasted bad at the time, especially uh, at such an opportune moment. You know. Well, I mean, it was so Arsenal. We, we've been faced with that so many times. I mean, it, it it was just the problem with it, you know, is it just brings back it just you know, if we'd have lost, you know, 1-0, 2-0 and we had played okay, but it just wasn't our day. You know, it, it's a lot less humiliating, but we got humiliated. A 4-0 is kind of a humiliation and uh and it is. We won't, we won't even beat that bad by Bayern this season, you know. And it's it's just there's it just brings back too many memories of being, you know, I mean, we had those, it was two years ago, but we went through a lot of those two years ago. Yeah. 2014 wasn't a very good year for us. Right. In, yeah. Right in the middle. Fuck this calendar champion bullshit. 2014 stuck it to us. Um, but you know, we had, we had a bounce back match. It was great. I mean, on the back of that, there's nothing better to have than have a match two days later. If you can go out and get the win as we did against Burnmouth. Um, and I was more worried about that match, to be honest. Not, I mean, um, kind of just before we when we talked last week. I think I was I was a little bit more worried about that match, just because of you know it was two days later and and all that. Um, but you know, look, you know, once we once we got there and I saw the lineup, I was like, well, sh- we should still have enough, and we did. So I mean, it was nothing. We had you know, uh, Ozil was fantastic. And, you know, should have, we should have had eight or nine. I don't know. It should have been, it should have been, le- it should have been at least a four nil to counteract yeah. the one that we suffered the couple days before. Um, you know, my, boy, my boy, Theo, uh, just his first touch and his ideas of what to do on the end of those balls being whipped in was just, was not there. And I, I just yeah, think that's of part of him. It's part of who he is. We all know it. Part of it though, is I think, He's still not up to his speed as far as doing the defensive side and, you know, uh, his finishing. I think he can do one of those right now. <laughs> I don't think he can get both those done with his current fitness. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very symptomatic of his game. But, I mean, look, he tends to have more good nights than he has bad. So it's not like he, you know, he, he's he can gonna pass miss, it. It's fine for him to miss against Bournemouth at home when we're, you know, when we're already up one. Right. 
yeah, there there were situations, and I mean that one could have turned on its head as well. You know, it wasn't as secure as we really would have hoped until significantly later in the match. But I mean, Ozil put on a masterclass. It was great to see. You know, the team played pretty well with a few a few guys who had who had you know been brought in for rotation purposes. Interesting to see that Debushi, who was supposed to get the start, was out entirely, which seems to tell more than just that. Um, that story is pretty telling. Yeah. But I mean, really, I think the biggest—I mean, the biggest thing we can take away from it is that, uh, at least for me, was Callum Chambers looked tidy enough um, as a deputy um, that maybe against that sort of opposition, we can give him a run out in that kind of way, maybe the FA Cup game or something like that. And then you know we we know that we're supposedly getting this Egyptian guy in from Basel, the El Neni. So take those things into consideration it looks like our, our midfield options are at least being boosted if if our depth has to be as low as it it currently is and you know yeah. and, and we and we got a good win against a team who's taking points off other big clubs you know people joke and talk shit like oh it's just afc bournemouth and like yeah we, we should be stomping them but they've they've gotten results against chelsea and united you know so i'll take it yeah they're so up and down you know they're uh they're 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 a real they're a real i don't think they certainly know where they were uh, what they are right now i think we we should have beat them based on their form and how they have uh played against some of the other sides um but we didn't so we move on and we still end up top on goal differential the three goals that we uh beat them at home by are away at leicester yeah so you know it's it's not great it's not a great year, hasn't been, but halfway through, and we're we're there. Yeah, we're, we're in a great position, a great so, position. And and everybody knows all the players we have to come back, and they're going to come at different intervals. So Alexis is coming back. That's the that's a big one. That is a very big one. That's a <laughs> that's very very a big important one. one. Um, and you you got other guys coming back. He's and other guys got, not coming back. Which yeah, at, at least well look, I'm happier to hear that news on the last week of December than the last week of January. You know what I mean? Which 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 news are you talking about? Well, I mean, just as, as opposed to being able to use the like a new signing when Wilshire and Welbeck come in, come back. He's, he's, he's known that though. He's known he, that they yeah. were going to be back. I mean, that's kind of the information he holds back, right? He used that to his advantage. Otherwise, if he thought there was any chance, he, he probably doesn't worry about a midfielder yet unless something right. comes along. He knows his hand is kind of forced now. You know, because the best that Jack can do is get back and be fit by April. You know, uh, I mean, yeah. really? We're not going to wait through his having mediocre games to get to full fitness. We no, don't, we're no, not going to have time no, for that. There's no time for that. You have to plan like the way you planned around Diaby, the way you planned around Rosicki. You know what I mean? This is a luxury. He's not a piece that you can, depend, you can depend on. And it's, know, it's sad, but that's just, that's just the truth of, of the situation with his, his fitness now. I mean, I think you got uh, the 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 guy from Basel. El Neni. I I don't know if it's. I mean, honestly, if if they identified this guy that long ago, I don't know why he hasn't already been training for a week. To be honest, because we don't need to register him, but he could have been training for a week. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. If, I don't know the rules about that. Yeah, me know? neither. Maybe there's a work permit issue. Yeah, Maybe, but, I'm not but sure. But couldn't he been like on? You could have. Put him on trial, on holiday, on trial. Yeah, uh, you know he's I, I just guess. training with us. There's, you could have got around that shit. So I, mean, I look, wonder if he's been there. But but you know the the beginning. thing is the thing that it looks like you know with that deal looking like it's going to get wrapped up at the very beginning of the window looks like us actually addressing a need early in the window, which has always been a big ask from us and never fucking happens. So I'm going to wait to pass judgment on this kind of signing until we really see him on the pitch a few times. And, uh, you know, but I'm sure everyone will rush, rush to their conclusions after his first kick of the ball. But he's at, at his age, he's obviously a long term signing. So if he can add some help until we get players back, then that's kind of all you can hope for. And then going forward, just, if he fits right in the squad, then it's great. Just be better than Flamini. Please, please be better than Flamini. That will that'll suffice, I hope. So if this El Nenny deal does come to fruition as we all expect it to in the next couple of days. Um, I mean, do you think Arsenal will do more business in January? Do you think, and, and how, how many players do you think they need to sign to 
sustain this title bid? I think, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to put the assumption that Debushi's staying because I think if he doesn't, then it's a, then uh, unless there's a, I don't know, even, even if Debushi leaves, he could still use everybody and their mother to try to cover that. Right. right. So I don't see anybody replacing, but so I will just say, I still think a forward signing and I think we'll still need a central midfielder eventually. We could probably wait till summer, but I guess that's the one that's the wild card for me is that I well, think you, that, you mean another one on top of El Nenny? Yeah. Yeah, mm. because you've got you've got I'm thinking more long term. I'm thinking that's the that's the luxury. That's the if something comes up, you know, if someone came available kind of thing. And I don't expect them to. So I really only expect one more. Someone on the forward line, someone on the wing. That's what I expect. So not a central striker, but a no. A, there's a no wide central forward. striker. No, that's not coming until the summer. No. Yeah. If if then. <laughs> no, it'll come in the summer. Someone. Someone. Someone's coming. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I agree with you there in terms of there being one additional signing. I mean, do you think that'll be enough for us? For the title. If we if we had an additional forward signing and a central midfield signing in in July, I would have thought so. So I'll say, yeah, I think it's enough. Fair enough. I tend to agree. So yeah, I'm I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Yeah. So Well hopefully Arson can uh can put something together. Rub my hands together like I think next summer's maniac. gonna be real fun. So I can't wait. I hope you're right. You're After always we... you're always right when I don't want you to be so please <laughs> <clears throat> so please be right this time. That sounds good. And it'll be even better if you're coming off winning a title as well. That's why I'm open. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, that hey, hey. Now we're talking. Um, well, let's let's move on. It's the it's the end of the year. We had we had some Christmas naughty and nice lists. Let's talk a little bit about some of our favorites from 2015. Uh, let's start with the football though. What were your oh, okay football ones? Yeah, football. Football. We'll start with football. And not not just talking Twitter favorites, just favorite things in general. Who? Oh, what? Was here's the... a Twitter. Here's a Twitter favorite. All right, let's Kyle. hear it. Kyle Walker is, and then the poo uh, emoji. That was yes. nice. That's a, that's a, uh, there was the, is that, is that, is that a favorite of your own tweet or was that someone no, else? No, no, somebody else's. Should I give him a shout out? Yeah, uh, yeah of course. E Gooner one. Miss e. Brown. One. Yeah. And then I got one from, uh, from Elliot at Yankee Gunner. Uh, it's a tweet your lock screen and it's, it's, um, it's the one the guy from PSG when he's pointing and laughing at Mourinho on the sideline. <laughs> oh, that's that's back in March. That was awesome. That is solid. What yeah, was that's... what was your favorite Schadenfreude moment? What, what, what whose misery did you enjoy the most this year? This is, oh, it's Mourinho. Mourinho. I don't I, unless you can quickly remind me of somebody's somebody else that I'm drawing a blank on. That's. I don't. I can't imagine some beating that. It's it's really tough between them. I mean, it, it has to be him. It has to be him. There is there isn't a more deplorable person. Him or you know John Terry being sad is always great. So John Terry being dropped by Mourinho, I thought was was fantastic. You know, always always entertaining there. I'm looking through my favorites. I've got a great I've got a great gif of Gerard trying to trap and kick a ball and like falling over on his ass. That was really nice. I've got I've got one from that from the the match where he comes on the forty six he comes on in the forty sixth minute and gets sent off like seventeen <laughs> seconds later. Oh yeah. So I've got the one from the official well from official LFC that says forty six minutes. Steven Gerrard comes on. Steven Gerrard sent off. Yeah. And then there was that that uh, gif of of his heat map and it showed it pointing <laughs> Uh, going out on the field and getting coming right back yes. off. Yes, uh, that was great. I uh, I really enjoyed. You know, one thing I really enjoyed this year, which it was mostly end of last season, was was Di Maria's form at United. You know, because he he showed some decent stuff in the beginning of the season, but you could just tell he wasn't bought in. So these players, these guys who, you know, it's it's just it's just enjoying in in the misery of of United and their their fans and their players because. You know these guys are killed. Look at look at Chicharito in Germany at the moment. Look at Di Maria killing it for PSG. Like that shit just fucking really makes me happy. Yeah, that that's 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 always nice. Um, I think some other ones I had. 
Oh, there's so many good ones. <laughs> uh, I got I got so many that are non-football, but <laughs> um, I like the uh, from uh, Matthew Walker AFC. Uh, this one was uh, Welbeck joined to win trophies. That's when that's when we uh, won the FA Cup. Yeah. Um. I don't know. How about you? Do you have more soccer ones? Uh, so, well, let's see. Moments in particular. Well, tweets. Tweets is a variety. I'm kind of just scanning through at the moment. But in terms of what went on on the pitch, I mean, those those are some of the best, really. I'm trying to think. Did you um? Do you have anything good over the summer? What well, What about the summer? Is there anything from the the Copa America or anything that really? Did it for you? Because I mean, I I have my moments that I really enjoyed seeing Alexis Sanchez win the uh, the Copa America for for Chile was great. Just because I feel like I mean, even though it made him tired as shit, but you know, winning winning breeds more winning, and I just fucking love that shit. Yeah, I, I'm looking, and it looks like I took uh, I took the summer off of uh, <laughs> of football tweeting. Right. Yeah, you you did kind of leave that a bit. <laughs> yeah, because I I go from like uh, winning the FA Cup, and then um, then my next favorite football favorite is like um, the Emirates Cup streams. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, I'll give Yankee Gunner a shout out as well. He uh, he had a good tweet from this summer. Raheem Sterling's guilty of the worst sin a footballer can make in the eyes of many journalists: being English and not wanting to play for LFC. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty solid. Oh man, but there, you know, there's just so many good things that happened this year. Uh, but hopefully that, you know, hopefully Arsenal season will, will transcend just this calendar year and go into 2016. I really want to enjoy this season and, and I have enjoyed some of it. I've just been, you know, they, they still have me a little, I don't know. I still get a little bit of uh football PTSD when we have certain results. So. I enjoy the wins, and I try not to take the defeats too hard this year. Yeah, it's better that way. You know, set the bar a little lower and don't, uh, you know, don't be too serious. It's a lot easier to deal with, that's for damn sure. Yeah. I just, a lot of times I just walk away. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's tough, man. They, um, you know, I mean, Arsenal do so much in terms of affecting our days day in, day out, you know. Like, you know, the Boxing Day thing, it completely ruined most people's days. A 4-0 doesn't really go over that well. But but what can you do, man? It's uh, it's all in good fun, and, and that's that's why we watch. It's for the up and down and the beauty of the day in, day out, and the way these things can change and affect us. I mean, I, I'm happy that we're in the position we're in, you know. I could get mad and think about why we're not fucking five points clear by now <laughs> by results. But, I mean, that's just that's just how it goes. And this season has brought me a lot of joy so far because of all the bullshit going on to all of our normal rivals. So that has been thoroughly enjoyable. And I'm, I'm, I for one, I'm very thankful of that. Yeah. It's been awesome. <sighs> I mean, so are you, you feeling confident now? Are you, are we nailed on to win the, win the premiership? <sighs> nailed on. All right. Maybe not. No. That's a little bold. We're in it. That's what I wanted. In it to win it. I don't, I mean, we knew how many like title was over by this time last year. Yeah. So we go into May with a shot. I mean, I'm going to be really pissed and disappointed that <laughs> if we don't win it and we're, you know, in at the beginning of May. But, you know, I, I want to be in, in it with, you know, I'd like to be done and dusted with two games to go. But That we'll would see. be nice. But I'll take, I'll take just needing a draw against City. I'm not, I'm not sitting the bar too high. We, we could do that. That'll, that'll work. Sounds good. For sure. Well, look, man, thanks for thanks for being on, as always. It's been a pleasure. It's been great having these podcasts all year long. Uh, we will return after this slight break and see if Elliot has anything positive to say about the season. <laughs> Let's see about that. Thanks, Joseph. All right. What are you, f***ing nuts? <laughs> you thought... I'd like to welcome Elliot, also known as Yankee Gunner, to the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you back. It's been great. 
Uh, great hearing from you now, Elliot. What's up? Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me on. I've got my baby in the room, my dog, and two cats. So I'm Damn sure right. there'll be no interruptions. Of course not. They're all they all they're all behaved impeccably, at least so far on our call. So. Okay. Well, let's let's see how long that lasts. Let's roll. Well, look, we've uh, we've talked a bit about the season, you know, and and matches and results have been up and down, you know, this entire season so far. But we're sitting pretty well here at the end of end of the calendar year. Arsenal calendar year champions once again, which means absolutely fuck all. Um, what what do you what do you think, man? Looking ahead at the rest of the season, because I know it's it's easy to get. It's easy to get carried away being top of the league at this point, considering the situation we're in and, and where our peers are at. But we all know the inevitable collapse is just around the corner. So what, what say you, Elliot? Well, I think that the, the issue here is, is this 2013, 2014 all over again? Or is this something different? Right. We were one point up on City. We were top of the table, not. You know, there was no Leicester, obviously, that season. But we're one point up on City. We actually had a better goal difference. We had more points than we have now. Um, And we know what happened. We took the hammerings at uh, Stamford Bridge. We took the hammering at Anfield. We took the hammering at Everton. Um, And we finished fourth on 79 points, which isn't actually the worst point total. But the question is, why is this going to be different? Um, What reason do we have to believe the staying power is there right now that wasn't there that season? And obviously, the first thing you can point to is, just the fact that the chasing pack is not as strong. Chelsea are not a factor. United don't look like they're going to be a factor. Um, I don't think Spurs are a factor, despite people trying to talk them into one. I think Pochettino sides notoriously fade in the second half of games and the second half of seasons. I think that'll happen again. Um, and Liverpool don't look like a factor. So it really does look like a two-horse race, unless you believe that Leicester will stay there, which I don't. So that's a check in our column. But I think the big issue right now is... The team that I think can win the title is the team we saw play with pace and dynamism and control in midfield with a Cazorla-Coughlin axis, with Ozil pulling the strings for Walcott-Alexis, and then Ramsey on the wing able to come into the midfield and add a little extra element of control. I think what we're doing now with a Ramsey-Flamini, or maybe soon a Ramsey-Elneny, or Ramsey-Chambers axis lacks that element of control because Ramsey, as effective as he is in the final third, arguably a lot more than Cazorla, has a lot of weaknesses further back up the pitch. And he leaves so much space for his partner to cover that I think that leaves us exposed. And the thing that scared me about the Southampton game is I saw, and Addison, my daughter, is giving her opinions in the background. Um, I saw a lot of the things that I saw in that 2013-14 season when we got hammered, which was fullbacks way up the pitch, midfielders way up the pitch, losing the ball, not pressuring when we lost the ball, and giving the other team easy opportunities to distribute to their forwards running in behind, running in behind Murtisak or running into the gaps left where Ramsey would have been or the fullbacks would have been. And so that element of compactness and control that we saw early in the season was missing. So my question is, without Cazorla, maybe for the rest of the season, but certainly for a while, and without Coughlin for a while, can we reshape this side to still have the solidity and compactness and control that I don't think we've really quite shown yet? And I know we beat City with this setup, but the funny thing is I think this setup arguably is better for us in big games because if we're sitting deep and defending deep, then when we break out, we can be explosive with Ramsey in there, maybe more so than with uh, Cazorla. But... I think in all the other games against the weaker sides, the, the games that we ordinarily would think of as less of a challenge, that's where I think we're going to be more vulnerable. And even in the Bournemouth game, I, I think there were openings for them to exploit. And we saw, I think it was Josh King running in free behind our back four at one point. So I think the question of whether we can win the title is going to boil down to, first of all, can we get some players back? Obviously, that's always a question with Arsenal. But if we're not playing with Cazorla and Coughlin, can we find a style that is not as gung-ho and exposed as it was in that 2014 run-in where we, where we really took a lot of hammerings and defensively never got sorted out. You know, I, I think the big issue with that midfield is not so much... Look, I, I see your points about the deficiencies of Ramsey and what he doesn't quite give us, but still when you compare him to most of the midfielders within the league, you know, his, his ability and his dynamism from box to box 
is it's it's tough to match. There aren't many people who can give you that, and so I don't think that's the biggest problem for us is having him in midfield. I, I do see I do see some of the problems, but if Coquelin does come back a little bit sooner than Kazorlin, say he's there for the last couple months of the season, I mean I think in terms of the run in, I'm I'm happy with that that base of the midfield. I, I think with, I with think which base with Coquelin playing with Ramsey. So you think he, that works? I think I mean, it does. Because I mean, look, we have to we have to see it. Are- super possession oriented, right? Like, like when the ball comes to Ozil, there's that security. The same thing with Cazorla. Ramsey gets dispossessed a bit. He, you know, he's not someone who's going to take it from the center backs and build up the play and beat a man like Cazorla will and, and start a transition into their half or start an attack. And neither is Coughlin. So I just say when, when Paramurtisacker has the ball at his feet and we're starting a possession, where's that ball go? Does it go to Ramsey? Is Ramsey going to collect deep in our half and turn and and distribute and fu- and create that attack? I mean, See, I, I think that's I, I think why Ramsey. I think he does have that though. Okay. I think that's uh, we've we've seen. I think in a few recent matches, we've seen a lot of times that he's been the outlet and he goes. And I think he does he does attempt more high risk passes. And I think part of that has to do with he does try to play mostly forward passes and tries to create things. Leads to lower possession stats. It's not always that great in terms of the way that it reflects in the numbers. And look, he's given away plenty of things, and we see these things we want him to cut out of his game, right? He's given away chances where, you know, he needlessly chipped the ball in and gave it right back to the defenders against Southampton and a few others. And look, sometimes it's a bad day at the office. And we've seen with him specifically, because he tries so many intricate things, you know, some of the beautiful things we see are his, you know, the heel flicks that make us go fucking crazy when they don't come off. But then when he does, he unlocks a defense and it starts a counterattack or, or it, it makes a move progress in a certain way. So uh, it's, it's a double-edged sword, but I, I don't think we really suffer having him in the middle specifically. It's great having Santi, but I mean, when you're looking moving forward, this is going to be the guy who's going to be in the middle of the park for us for the foreseeable future. And he should be, but, but so like, I always thought Ramsey needed a more of an Arteta type partner, someone who, you know, a more mobile version, obviously, but someone who can um, collect the ball from the back four and distribute or collect the ball from Ramsey and let him run 10 yards further up the pitch and distribute it back to him, who, who's a safe pair of boots with the ball, um, you know, with the ball at their feet. I, I just feel that Coughlin has grown into that a little bit, but he's not that guy. What makes Cazorla so unique is Cazorla can collect from the back four, turn, beat a man if he has to, use his dribble to create an attack, and also play the intermediate passes to, to start an attack. And the funny thing is, I'd almost be interested to see like a Cazorla Ramsey type midfield axis. You know what I mean? Play it, for possession and, and less about a destructive element, a destructive force. But And maybe El Elneny will be the right complement for him. I think also it's about you know, understanding the balance a little bit more, that when you have Ramsey in there who's going to drive forward and contribute to the the attack in the final third more than like a Cazorla, maybe that's a case where you you don't overload wide and you don't have both fullbacks pushed up the pitch or you adjust the way you're going to defend. Because for me, Joaquin, it's not really a criticism of Ramsey. It's that he's not someone who's going to take the ball from the center back and bring it into the attacking half confidently and comfortably every time. I don't think he's as effective as that. And he's going to leave a lot of space behind him because he wants to make those forward surging runs. We have to go still this season to Anfield, to City, to Old Trafford, to Goodison, to Crystal Palace, to Stoke. I think we go to Palace. Do we go to Palace or does Palace come to us? I think we go to Palace. Anyway, these are tough away trips that we still have. And you know, if we play compact like we did against City at home, even I think that will suit this this set of personnel, so to speak. But I think if we do what we did in 2014, where we go to Anfield and our fullbacks are on the halfway line and Ramsey's 20 yards in the attacking half, when we're dispossessed, we get slaughtered. Like if you watch the Southampton game, the problem is every time we turn the ball over, every time we're dispossessed, look at the transitions. We didn't press them when they got the ball back and they had an easy ball right up the middle of the pitch in behind our back four. That's what's going to kill us if we keep playing that way. So Arsenal have a lot on the agenda this January. Even Wenger said so himself, which is a bit of a surprise considering he's usually so coy about it. I mean, which he's, of course, he's still being coy, but, you know, there are obvious deficiencies in this squad, mostly due to injuries. You know, we talk about how, you know, before the season we have – 
X, you know, what, eight central midfielders, however fucking many we have, how many of them have we not seen all season? You know, guys like Wilshire and Rizicki, right? Wilshire, and like, and you and you kind of expected Rizicki. Okay, he's out till December, January. Hopefully, he can be there to spell us when we need him in this congested fixture, you know, pileup. But right when we need him, he's still not available and nowhere to be seen. It seems like he was uh, getting getting one back at Arson for exercising that team option when he didn't want it. Right. This is what does my head in a little bit, and like this is why I get really frustrated like on Twitter and stuff when we have these debates and these arguments because there are certain people that are so wedded to an agenda. And so in the summer, when I felt that we needed additional signings, the thing that I was told is the squad is so good and the depth is so significant that really the only players that would improve us are world-class, and those are not easy to find. A 50 million pound striker at Real Madrid, a 50 million pound defensive midfielder at, at Bayern. I was told it was only Arturo Vidal and Karim Benzema are the level that would improve us. And if we can't get those kind of players, we're better off with what we have than blowing money on a, a waste like Schneiderlin, who's overpriced. Now, fast forward to January, we're in a legitimate crisis in midfield and not unforeseeable. Arteta, Flamini, Rosicki. Jack Wilshire, these aren't players you'd say you're going to depend on to be there all season long. No, they have very questionable bills of health. Yeah. I mean, any of them, if you said they're going to be out the whole season, you would say, okay, I understand that. The, the point is that now we're buying a five million pound striker from Basel. Now, he could be fantastic, and I really hope he is, but you can't have it both ways. You can't now in January say, see, Arson's getting the job done, and he spotted talent, and he got us his five million pound player. He's going to make the difference. When you were saying in the summer, only Arturo Vidal was the kind of quality that could improve us. My argument has always been, if Arsene likes a player and he rates him, and he thinks he can make the squad a little bit stronger, just that little bit stronger, we need to be title contenders, then go do it. What's five million pounds? What's another squad? I mean, what's the worst thing that happens? Rosicki doesn't get on a bench this season, or Flamini gets relegated to training with the reserves? Like, who fucking cares? Like, to me, we needed another midfielder and arguably another forward in the summer. We didn't get it. And I think you can look at some of the drop points we've had this season are down to squad issues and you're not being able to rotate players in the midfield. So so basically, Joaquin, all I'm saying is we've needed a midfielder. And the only the frustration for me is if we can buy a five million pound player in January who we think can make the difference for us. Why you know why was it that the only players that were good enough in the summer were Arturo Vidal and Benzema? Surely, surely there were. I think what this proves is there are players out there that are affordable and gettable that the manager feels can improve the squad to the level that's needed to compete for a title. And if those players are out there, why didn't we do it sooner? So my my deal with this signing, and I think it's I think it's an astute signing for what it looks like what we're getting. Um, but he, but here's why is because. This is a player who's looking to come in and look. I, I I think with the players that Arson had in mind for this season of the midfielders that we already we already have and we're hoping to stay fit. I think we've had almost enough midfielders this first half of the season, but with the duration of the injuries we have, it's clearly a depth issue now. And you have a guy, and we like you said, you we specifically have a couple guys who will be you have to expect will be out of the club next season. So let, let me ask you this just real quick, going into the season. Yeah. A Cochrane injury. Did we have anyone in the squad that you remotely trusted to be able to put in a real run of games at the level needed to be a title contender at at the Cochrane position? I mean, people are like, oh, Flamini's done fine. Like, you're just not winning a title playing Flamini 18 to 20 games in central midfield. And you're not playing winning a title playing Mikel Arteta at whatever he is, 34, 30, you know, it, I, I, I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy with the other options. I, I don't think they were terrible. I don't think in terms of spelling him in small bits and pieces, it would have been the most horrible thing. And I think you also have, if the other issues aren't so prevalent, if you have Kazorla healthy, you know, I, I think you could force Ramsey into playing a position like that and he could do a good job. Is it the ideal situation? By no means. And I thought you, sh- I agree. I, I thought we needed to sign that other guy who's going to be the next, you know, defensive midfielder who's going to compete with Coquelin to do something. You know, I don't know that, you know, we, we, we saw a decent cameo from Chambers, but, you know, we're not entirely convinced. Yep. I, I still think he'll be a better center back than a center, central midfielder. But uh, so there, there's deputies there in place potentially. But I think we absolutely should have signed another midfielder and had someone as a viable option alongside Coughlin. And, and I, I get it. I get it. This guy, El Nenny, looks like a tidy midfielder who can do a variety of roles. 
I think in terms of the squad, it does help us depth-wise. Um, but, you know, none of us have really fucking seen this guy outside of a YouTube compilation. So we're, we're going to have to see what happens when he comes in. So this is one that we're going to have to – I think we're really going to get value in terms of, well, whether it, it, he merits a place, we'll have to we'll see pretty quickly because you think he's going to be forced into action. I, I think he's got to become the starting midfielder along with Ramsey, like the minute he hits the Emirates pitch. Like I, I – here's the thing, right? Like I think the poverty years – really got to some people and messed with their heads. And now there's this feeling. It's like, well, Chambers could be really good there. Like, let's play Chambers there. Like, you know, Flamini can do a job. Like, okay, I get it. During the poverty years, we had to talk ourselves into believing a lot of players could do a job. And they fucking, did. They kept us in the top four. Yeah, Danielson. I mean, <laughs> Boue and Danielson and Schmack, and you can go through the whole list. Gervinho, sure. there were players. And they kept us in the top four. So credit to them. But, like, we are trying to win the hardest title to win of any domestic league in Europe, okay? Now, admittedly, we're doing it in a year where there are no real giants to be afraid of, but it's the most competitive league in Europe, and we're trying to win that and presumably beat Barcelona in the Champions League. I mean, we can laugh about it, but that's the job, sure. right? That's the job. We're yeah. in the Champions League, the job to win it. So, like, yeah, Chambers might develop into a nice player, and Flamini's done a half-decent job, but, like, that's not getting you... Arsenal should be striving to be the best team in England and one of the three or four or five best teams in Europe. And with our revenue, our stadium, our location, our sponsorships, our global fan base, there's no reason we can't get there. But we keep wanting to handicap ourselves by making do. And, like, I'm not even saying, so fine, go out and buy Vidal and Benzema. I'm saying, like, add a couple bodies to the squad, and if that means Jackie Wilshere, unfortunately, doesn't ever make it at Arsenal, like, we're not a home for wayward youth. We're, and, we're and, and that's, a sports and that's the club. Issue. And that's the issue. The, I think a big issue comes to comes to a head at that with that specific point is that Arsene Wenger is very loyal to a lot of his players. He has this blind loyalty because they're like his children, and, and that works. That that gets you well, to a certain point. Yeah, it, it, they repay yeah, it works. that loyalty. Right to to a certain extent, but you know the fact he doesn't want to kill Wilshire. Well, guess what? Wilshire's killing us by not playing the entire season. I love well, Jack, right, so but what? Can, yeah, what can you do? Let me jump in with one thing real quick and interrupt you again because that's fun. But like, like y- your point is the best point, right? Like, look at Chesney. Chesney is a youngster that came up through the club. The manager finally had enough, and Chesney had to push him really far. But he finally had enough. And what did we replace him with? Check. There's no denying the difference. Yeah. It's not. You can win a title with Petr Check in keep in goal, and he's part of the reason we're in the ch- in the race for a title. Absolutely, you can't win a title with Chesney. And yet, when Chesney was here, well, I-, I wouldn't say we can't win a title with Chesney. But I, I mean, I, I defended I Chesney a lot, but like ultimately, when you finally spend the money for the class and stop just defending whoever's at your club, you see the difference class makes, right? Like Chesney may have qualities, but we bought check, and my God, look at the difference, right? Like that should be our goal at every position. Look at every position, and no matter how much we might like the player or have hope for the player, if there's a better player we can reasonably pull in, that should be the aspiration. So I, I've been of the mind that uh, you you keep Debushi at all costs and you say, fuck it, you have to stay. I mean, it, it seems like with all the things taken into account and the fact that he was supposed to play in the, in the match against Bournemouth and didn't, it looks like he's on his way out the door. Do you think we're okay with Chambers as our deputy right back uh, well, for the rest of the season? Here's the problem. Like, is Chambers now our defensive midfielder? Because then he can't be like if we're going to expect Chambers to potentially play in midfield when called upon, we can't have him also be the backup right back. Like I, that's another thing that drives me nuts when people are like, "Oh, here are all the midfielders we have," and they list Jack and they list Ramsey, and then they're like, "Here are all the forwards we have," and they list Jack and they list Ramsey. Like you only get to list them in one position because if they're playing that position, they can't play the other. So while I get that Chambers is sort of a utility player, I don't think you can sell Debushi and have Chambers as the backup right back. If he's also the backup defensive midfielder. Well, the thing um, is, I, I think he will quickly drop back down the pecking order into third or fourth choice defensive midfielder. But, you know, only time will tell with true. that. So if, if we can assume that this Elneny signing is going to happen, you know, he may not jump. You assume where he jumps into the pecking order would be second to third choice central defensive midfielder when everybody's fit. I mean, really, you hope it's second just behind Coquelin or that he's actually challenging him for first. But when that does happen, Chambers does drop further back in the pecking order, and I think it goes back to being... Because, look, he's also our fourth center back, which is important to have. And so if if he goes back to being more of a defensive role at that point, 
I think it's okay. I don't really like him as cover at right back because we've seen we've seen him do a good job, right? I mean, that's one of the things that turned his turned his head, turned Arson's head was when he played against us for Southampton. But we've seen the thing is that with his body and his, and his attributes, playing on the on the flank does not suit us as well as having someone fleet footed fleet footed like Hector, who can defend and also bomb down the wing and have the pace to stay with pacey wingers. So well, we always have Flamini to play fullback, right? He's always there. No, hey, I, hey I Ram, mean, Ramsey at right back. Yeah, right. look, we we can. I feel like right back you can kind of make do. Although Bellerin shows how much better that is. It seems to me silly to sell Debushi in January if your only goal is to help him get into the Euros when we're trying to get to a title. But like, I also think the dressing room harmony thing seems to be a big part of what's making the squad tick. And if he's a problem for that then maybe you cut him loose. I think the issue we have to address is obviously central midfield, and it looks like we've done it. The bigger issue for me in January is I still think we need another forward. I think at this point you've got to assume Welbeck maybe may not play this season, and I just wonder if we're still a little goal shy. Like I love the Alexis-Theo-Ramsey front three for a lot of the things it can do, but if Ramsey now is in the midfield to stay, I don't know that I love Alexis-Theo-Giroud as a front three. I think it's got some defensive liabilities. I, I think Theo actually, I liked what I was seeing a lot with Theo playing uh, centrally with Alexis because the runs he would make would open up space for Alexis to come inside. Nozel seemed to really connect with them. Um, so I'd love to be able to get back to that. But to do that, if Ramsey's staying in midfield, I think we need another wide forward. Um, I know it's hard to make a big signing, but you know if we wanted to buy Marco Royce, I'd be fine with it. Yeah, he certainly would be the top of my list. I'd be fine with it. It'd be okay. <laughs> As I'm sure you already know. Yeah, a player like that. It's also well, crocked, so, you know. <laughs> always. Um, yeah, but, you know, that means he already has the bar. You know, the, the Arsenal DNA is, is strong in this one. Well, look, the, the thing is, you know how well he do- He already dovetails extremely well with Mesut Ozil. They've got a great understanding between them. I remember watching their, you know, their, their highlights for the for the German national team together, and it's really fucking impressive. So, I mean, that you think that would come in, and that could be a, a very – easy transition for him in terms of learning how to play our sort of football. But, uh, but I'm with you. I don't know. I mean, of course I'd take a world-class center forward, but it doesn't look like that's available on the market. A wide forward would be much more plausible. There's always mm-hmm. a winger available in, you know, and even if it's someone who is going to give us, you know, a, 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 some sort of different element, I I'm with you in the sense that I think, I think we're, we're better served seeing Theo or Giroud up top. I prefer Giroud in a lot of cases, but there's all there's always a time and a place to bring on Theo and bring on what he does, which can be extremely clinical on occasion when he wants to be. Yeah, um, it wasn't the other day against Fortnite. Fuck no. He he had one of those unlucky Theo days. And uh and and those can those can go so far in terms of helping us, you know, if you have them just solely using that role of, as a center forward, I, I think that's better for us in that sense. And yeah, add someone add some to challenge these guys, because look. As much as I think Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain has the potential to be a great player, he has not realized it quite yet, and he's not put together the consistent performances that we're hoping from. I he's mean, not I'm, playing well enough to warrant giving him four or five, six matches to run out. You know, I he, hear a lot of people He's not saying, even fucking getting... He's not playing well enough to warrant starting over Joel Campbell. Look, Joel no, Campbell which, has been showing a great fucking no. effort, but it's still, you know, no one is going to tell you that, that they think that he is the real solution for us on the wing to win a championship. No, Oxlade-Chamberlain is an interesting example, too, of what happens at our club sometimes because people will say, you know, when I've been critical of, of Ox, they've said, oh, well, you know, he just needs eight, a run of eight or ten games in the league, and then you'll see what he can do. And my argument is that's not how it works. You don't, you don't play poorly and then get given ten games to show you can play well. You take your chance by the scruff of the neck and prove you deserve another one because if we're just letting players play through bad pa- – I mean, look, it's one thing if Alexis is in poor form. He's proven it all before and, and you just play him. But Oxley chamberlains a stage of his career. Yeah, I think back to Cesc Fabregas. Cesc Fabregas broke into Arsenal at 16 not because the manager wanted to play a 16-year-old. He had the invincibles. He broke into the team because he was too good to leave out. And, and title-winning teams, young players should only get in the team because they've made themselves undroppable. Um and you're right, with Joel starting ahead of Ox, it, it's, it demonstrates that because I think if you ask Arsene Wenger who's in your long-term plans for this club, Joel isn't and Ox is. But right now, he has no choice on the basis of merit. Um, and at least the one thing I will say for Arsene Wenger, I think over the past several years, it hasn't always been a meritocracy at Arsenal. He had favorites. But with the Ox and Joel thing, for example, it's been a meritocracy. Joel played better, and he's been the starter. I, I think with Giroud, you know, while I've been very vocal about not being a fan of his, 
There's no denying his goal return. And when he's in form, when he's confident, he can score goals at a, an incredible rate. But you look at how we play and how everyone meshes and who Alexis plays best with and who Ozil thrives most off of. I think Ramsey really thrives with Giroud in the side, but I think Ozil and Alexis are better suited to Theo at center forward. So it's just a question of which pegs fit in which holes best. The way we played when we beat United, when we thrashed United at the Emirates, that 11, to me, can win a title. It's just that right now, I I feel like the pieces, with the injuries we have, the pieces don't necessarily fit together as as effectively. Yeah, and it's going to be a, a constant dilemma for Arsenal to figure out in terms of getting that balance right for the rest of the season. Um, I think we're going to continue to see them rotated a bit, especially when we get back to playing, you know, the, you know we'll, we'll, in our current situation. You know, Giroud can't play every match. You know, he has shown he is a fucking workhorse. He can, he can go through and play... Eight out of ten games and play twice. One of his a week best for, qualities. Yeah, he's fit. He really, he really does. Yeah, you know, aside from that, the, the was it the, Bro- bus, well, the busted ankle? Yeah, 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 broken broken ankle at fucking Everton. But outside of that, being so resilient is a great stat. You know, it's something that certainly the Theo Walcott could use some. You know, emulating. I'll say uh, this: I would take ten Giroud's in our squad. Someone of his caliber who was <laughs> second choice, who would be fit and available to select. Because like Giroud is the perfect example of the kind of quality that should be your second choice player. Like can come in and keep your level where you need it to be, is always fit and available for selection, just not quite good enough to be your first choice. I love Giroud as that. Because to his credit, Jack Wilshire could be the best midfielder in Europe, but it's all theoretical. He's, he's Daniel right. Sturridge, right? I mean, who right, knows? Exactly. Yeah, I've, exactly. I've got a friend who keeps on raving about Daniel Sturridge. I'm like, who gives... He hasn't done it for... It's been nearly two years. So, yeah. you know, talk to me when he's actually fit. Um you know, with that, with that in mind, you know, like I'm okay with I'm okay with Giroud and and Walcott being co number one center forwards at the moment and and playing them in meritocracy in that kind of sense. Yeah. As we're doing now, but like you said, look, I think if Arsenal can do that, you know, if we say that that El Neni signing seems like a sealed up deal, and he proves to be at least an astute buy as as good cover, if that comes to fruition and you sign one attacking player, like I said, an attacking wing player, someone who. Can yeah, that's a title-winning side. Right. I, I, I think that's enough to win a title, especially considering our, our, our competition as it stands. You know what the problem is? And I'll give you City as an example. Everybody says Wilford Boney sucks and, like, City can't win anything unless Cunaguero's fit. Like, I don't think Wilford Boney sucks. Definitely. But here's what I do think. They're totally different players, obviously. And so when Cunaguero starts at center forward, City are going to play a certain way. When you take him out and put Wilfred Boney in, you have to play a totally different way. And that's the same kind of challenge we have with Theo and Giroud. If you play Theo at center forward, and then you play Giroud at center forward, you're not just talking about different qualities. You're talking about changing the entire dynamic of how you build up. Do you play long balls? Where does Czech kick the ball to? What do you do at corner routines? Everything changes. So it's not just the quality of the player. It's how it impacts the entire, you know, as Murdisak likes to say, automatisms within the side and I think that's really the issue for us is finding the fit for our style. And much like I referenced with Ramsey and Cock- Ramsey versus Santi and Coughlin and all that, I don't know that right now, since the injuries, we've found the right fit for our style. Well, let's hope that uh, they can put it together for the rest of the season and that whatever setup they do go with can end up being a title-winning one. Um, thank you so much, Elliot. It's a pleasure having you on, as always. You can follow him on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. Check out the Arsenal Vision podcast, which he hosts, or yeah, please, and also fuck it, and also the Arsenal Mouse podcast, especially where that he, one. Where he's yeah, a lot of if you fun. love negativity, baby, you've come to the right place. <laughs> yeah, and you can get all that there and all that good stuff. Well, look, it's great. It's great talking to you, Elliot. As always, hopefully Arsenal will bring home that title and we can celebrate like fiends in May. Yeah, what you're hearing in the background is like what basically the reaction everyone has when they listen to me talk arsenal too long my baby is crying to emulate the crying of any listeners to the podcast so thanks for having me i'm okay appreciate it great thanks so much Come here, sit your ass on